Thank you, Lord. I have a little bit of a, of a spirit of faith today to believe that God can do anything. I still believe he can. As crazy as it may seem, I still believe he can do absolutely anything he wants to. And he's not short of miracles. He has not run out. He does not become less just to do what he does. He never depletes himself. Matthew 17, 20 and 21, it said, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence in yonder place, to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible. Everybody say, Nothing shall be impossible unto you, howbeit this kind goeth out not by prayer and fasting. He was referring to a demoniac son here that was needing to be have the spirit of the demon cast out of him. They brought him to the disciples. They could not do it. He said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can cast out this devil and you can actually move mountains. And he said, how be it, this goeth out not by prayer and fasting. This, this kind doesn't go out but by prayer and fasting. And he's, He's employing a little thing that I want to reference here because he said, nothing shall be impossible to you if you have the faith as a grain of mustard seed. How many know how small that is? A mustard seed is one to two centimeters or millimeters, very small. Grows a tree if you plant it properly about 20, 25 feet or so. All of that from a tiny little seed. He's saying, if you have the faith as a tiny little seed, you can do the impossible. And I believe that scripture right there with all my heart because I've seen it happen so many times in my life and my friend's life and people I've prayed for and people that need healing and need deliverance. I've seen it happen. So I, with a little bit of a spirit of in your face, devil, I'm going to preach this message of I have a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it. <laughs> Come at me. Come at me, bro. No, I'm kidding. It's just, it's just a matter of not putting your faith in yourself. It's, your, it's the matter of putting your faith, faith in God and his name. Amen? That's the difference. David said, I, I, you come at me with a spirit and sword, Goliath, but I come at you in the name of the Most High God. And that is where we have our strength. So let's pray together. Jesus, help us with our mustard seed today. Help us with that faith that you gave us. Let us use it for your glory, but let us also use it with power. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. In the name of the Lord. I remember driving to Alaska, and I use this story every once in a while, and so f please forgive the reference. I grew up in Alaska from 12 on, and then I came out for college where I met the lovely and talented Sarah, and that's how I ended up in Wisconsin because she lived here. And so I still love the seasons. I still love everything about Wisconsin, but every once in a while Alaska calls my name and I have to go. <laughs> Every once in a while, I have to get out my snowboard and disappear to one of those hills they call snow hills or skiing hills and uh, go straight down it because <laughs> that's about the style of hill that it is. We called that the bunny hill in Alaska. The, the, you, what you call a ski slope here, we called the bunny hill in Alaska. So every once in a while, I get a little uh, beside myself and I, I get out and I do some things because I have some history in that area. But the beautiful thing about the story of driving to Alaska is the tragedy that happened. And it's hard to say that tragedy could be a good story, but whenever God's in it, God can use anything, like I said before. 
And so we came off a hill, and we were going into a one-lane bridge over a, over a creek. And it wasn't really a one-lane bridge, but it was a tight bridge. It was really tight. And my mother got concerned, so she sped up over the bridge, which was a wood, wood bridge, and it was wet. And as she sped up, we spun out coming off the bridge. And then she overcorrected to keep us from going in the ditch, and then we turned, went across, through oncoming traffic, and then went into the ditch, turned over. And as we turned up on our side, all I could remember was <clears throat> as we were sliding, my mom just took her hands off the wheel. And, um, and I was sitting over there going, Jesus, take the wheel. Because <laughs> you need to have your hands on the wheel. But all I remember is my mother going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. She was just calling on the name. Because she didn't know what else to do. She wasn't experienced in driving um, with a load on the back like we had the camper and she had shifted the load twice which by physics had thrown the vehicle around and she had no hope. She could not correct it herself. So she just simply called on the only name that can save. And while you may say, well, that's just an error in driving because she had plenty of room, she just thought she didn't because the traffic wasn't in, in the way even when we slid through traffic. They still hadn't made it to the bridge but in her... In her error, she had, she had caused this situation, but while she was in error, she was still calling on the name that can save. And when we went into the ditch, we hit the road coming out of a park, and we turned up on our side, and I looked up, and she's still calling on the name of the Lord as we're, you know, up in the air, my brother's below me, but 20 minutes before that, my brother was sleeping in the, in the footwell, and my mother had tapped me on the shoulder. She said, get, get Wesley up. I don't know why I'm feeling like this, but I feel like you guys should get in your seatbelts. There was no reason. We're driving through Canada at the time. There's absolutely no reason for us to get in our seatbelts because there's nothing on the road except for miles and miles of open road. And so we get up, we get in our seatbelts, and it wasn't 30 minutes later we get in the accident, and we were spared and not thrown from the vehicle vehicle because we were in our seatbelts. She called on the name of she called on the name of the Lord and she knew that God is her keeper and her provider. And when she listens to heaven long enough, she heard him say, get those boys in seatbelts and I'm here today because of the name of Jesus. Because she honored the name of Jesus. Not only in the moment of accident, but in her life. And so whenever you have your ears tuned toward heaven and you celebrate the name of the Lord in your life, you have a protector. Amen, somebody. You have a provider. You have provision in him. And he keeps you. How many know God can keep you better than your insurance company? How many know God can keep you better than government can? How many know God can keep you better than anything else that you have? I've watched God keep my life. I've watched God keep my marriage. I've watched God keep my kids. I've watched God keep this church. I've watched God keep everything that's his. And because we belong to him, he keeps his stuff. He cares for the things that are his. Amen? Oh, I get emotional sometimes. I apologize. Actually, I don't apologize. Sorry, not sorry. Psalms 34 and 1 said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want to talk to you a little bit about blessing the name. The reason why my mother could call on the name with such confidence to take her hands off the wheel was because she had been blessing that name all of her life. She had lived under the power of that name all of her life. And if you don't live under the power of it, if you're not surrendered to him, you will not call on him in your time of need. You will look for something else to fix the problem. Amen? 
My soul shall make her boast in thee, in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And then David says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnification is a product of a device for us. I have glasses on. It's magnifying so that I can see properly. Um, I have contacts in as well, and my glasses are actually my bifocal. You didn't know that. I didn't say that to anybody online. I just, we'll just edit that out. So sometimes, every once in a while, whenever I can't see things, I might move it down just a little bit because there's a section of my glasses that magnifies a little bit better than other places. But magnification only affects the viewer. It doesn't affect the thing that you're magnifying. In other words, what David is saying is when you magnify the Lord, you make him bigger in your own focus. You make him bigger in your situation. You make him bigger in your problems. If your problem is too big, if your, if your situation is too large for you, magnify the Lord till he's larger than the situation. That's what David is saying. He's saying in your praise, there is a component in your praise. You might have just been singing a song, but in your, in your praise, there is a component where God God gets bigger and your stuff gets smaller. Where your, your problems and issues shrink in the presence of Almighty God. Do you understand what I'm saying today? As I get excited, I want you to know that magnification is a function of praise and it's also a requirement of the praiser. In other words, you can't truly praise God until he's bigger than everything else in your life. You haven't truly given everything to God until he's the biggest thing and the most powerful thing and his name is the most powerful thing in your life. So he says, magnify the Lord with me, and if you do that, then we can exalt his name together. I want to talk to you about for a minute about blessing the name of the Lord. It's kind of a cliche that's used in churches. They say, come on, gather with me. Let's praise the Lord together. Come on, let's, let's bless the Lord. Have you ever heard that? Let's bless the name of the Lord together. What are they saying? It's kind of like saying it's similar to almost like saying, let's praise the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord is similar to saying in Scripture, let's praise the name of the Lord. But David's saying, if we're going to do something powerful, we have to exalt God first. And he also gives a component there where he says, let's do it together. There is something that happens when we come together. And if you've ever seen or been in a large sanctuary with a large church and there's massive worship going on, there is an electricity in the environment when you praise if you've ever felt that, it's not like a small church like this where we are thankful when God shows up and we feel that and people are clapping, but there can be gaps of quietness, you know, in the worship. In a large setting like that, there is just a roar of praise and worship because of the number of people that are shouting unto God and lifting up the name of God. And if you've ever experienced that, you know that that thunder has power. There's, there's something about shouting unto God with a voice of triumph, amen? There's something in that. And some people can't handle small churches because that component may not always be there. But I promise you, if you praise God, it's just as strong in the large setting as it is in the small setting with heaven and earth, amen? When we call on the name of the Lord and we do it together, Together, God hears it just as much when 30,000 are praising and three are praising. Amen? Where two or three are gathered in his name. The Bible promises he's there. And so together is important in that scripture. Psalms 112, 1 and 2, it talks about praising the Lord or 
blessing the name of the Lord. And it says, praise ye the Lord. Blessed, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that dwelleth, that delighteth greatly in his command, in his commandments. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. The word feareth means to revere. It means to have respect for. Blessed is the man that respects the Lord. The word Lord is translated from Jehovah or Yahweh or Jehovah, and to delight greatly in his commandments. He's saying, if you have respect for the one true living God, you will be blessed. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That's important because sometimes you don't feel like praising him. Hello, somebody. Have you ever gotten up and not wanted to go to church? Anybody? You heard about the man who was not feeling well, and he pulled the covers over his head, and he said, I just can't go to church today. I just can't do it. And his wife came in and said, honey, you're going to be late, and went back to getting ready, and then he's like, I just can't do it. She came back in, honey, you're going to be late for church. Get up. And so he pulls covers, more covers over his head and said, I just can't do it. I'm not going today. And she said, honey, get up. You're going to be late, and the church needs its pastor. <laughs> Sometimes you don't feel like going. Sometimes you don't feel like doing it. Sometimes you don't feel like praising the Lord. When someone hits you, on, rear-ended your car on a, on a, from a blind side on a Tuesday, you don't get out of the car going, bless the Lord. I feel like praising, praising him. That doesn't happen. You're using every Christian curse word you have, you know? You're saying rats and, and well, I don't know, whatever you say. Maybe you say other words, and the Lord has to forgive you for that. That's why you came to praise him today. I know, yeah. <laughs> Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, especially after car accidents. <laughs> I was just praising the Lord and thinking about the fact that sometimes I don't feel like praising him. And the Lord said, if you will just praise me anyways, just praise me until you feel like praising me. Don't praise me when you feel like it. Praise me until you feel like it. Do that. Bless his name anyways. Whenever something happens to you that's inconvenient or difficult, or it, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't seem like God would be in that thing. Bless his name anyways because his name has the power to change everything. His name does. And so I have a friend named... Jonica, some of you know him. He's been through a lot of trials and struggles. And he's now back in the United States, which is really great. Amen? Um, so some of, them, some of you know the story. We were working on an aquaponics situation in Sri Lanka, helping put in wells and uh, fish and uh, vegetation and things like that. And the whole thing just kind of fell apart. And the reason why is because the Sri Lankan people felt so, ina um, not enabled, but they felt so entitled that they didn't think that they had to keep and manage the aquaponic system. They just wanted the benefits from it. They felt like they should be given everything instead of work for it. And so we had some struggles socially with the social model. And all of that broke down. And, and I was talking with Jonica, and he, we were on the phone. And he's like, why wouldn't this work? We did this for the Lord. We did this so that we could put in wells for LifeSpring, and we could, we could take in the gospel and do all of these things. And, and he said, why wouldn't it work? And I said, Jonica, I don't know. 
I, I don't have a clue why it's not working. It was supposed to be a, a work of the Lord. And we took those social models and we stored that data and, and we kept it. And, and he said, what do I do? I said, well, we have to do more research. We need, why don't you come home? This is your home church. Why don't you come home? Find a way to get back to the United States. He said, but I can. I'm not a, I'm not a you know, I, I'm a foreigner. I, I wasn't born in, in the U.S. And I said, well, let's begin to pray. What's around here that you could do that would get you a work visa. And he said, there's only one opening, and it's at the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana. And I said, then we're going to pray that you get that opening. We're going to pray. We're going to leverage a mustard seed because we have one, and we are not afraid to use it. Amen? So we began to pray because he, his heart was broken. He's got a son in America and an ex-wife, and things went bad quite a long time ago. And he's been by himself for quite a while. And yes, though he's been studying and getting his degrees and everything, he still is very lonely and dealing with a lot of, of, of desire to be here and be with us and his friends. And so when he called me last night, we were talking. We talked for about an hour and a half. He said, you won't believe this, but out of 50 students who were highly qualified. He said, my application went through and I'm here. I just flew in. I made it to the United States. I'm under quarantine, but I'll come see you when the 14 days are up. And he's going to be here probably next Sunday. And we're so grateful that he's back. But you have to understand his cohort, the other girl that's working in this program that's going to use all the social models that we thought were not even possible to be used, thought that Sri Lanka was just a bust. He's using all all those social models right now to, to work with Google and MIT engineers to recreate and to repurpose the welfare system of the United States. Do you understand what God can do with tragedy and with broke down things in your life? If you will just trust in the name of the Lord, he will use it for good. He will make good out of everything. He will provide for you even when it doesn't seem like he is. And so the Bible says his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. In Psalms 112 verse 2, I'm finishing that section of scripture. He said, whenever you trust in the Lord, it says, praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. That was the first verse that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Then he says this, if you praise the Lord when you don't feel like it, if you trust the Lord, he will make your seed, what you do, the efforts that you do, shall be mighty upon the earth. He didn't have the doors to open. He didn't have the governmental agency to do it. He didn't have the opportunity. But as he began to pray, God opened the door. Fifty other students. And whenever he talked to his, his social engineer, or his... Um, director of students in Sri Lanka at the university there, they asked him, Whether, what other places did you put your resume in at? He said, I didn't put any other place. I put in the one place that me and my pastor prayed, and God gave it to him. His, his cohort that I was talking about, she had put in her application five times to get the same thing he got the first time. His, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generations of the upright shall be blessed. Amen. If it's not about doing to get, it is about surrendering to the name of the most high God. Amen. 
and letting your life be a light to the Lord. And so he is going to share his testimony, and you're going to be encouraged by it because he's not just living his life out, but he's living his life for the Lord, and his effort and his work are making a difference. Would you do me a favor? Would you just help me thank the Lord right now for what God is doing? Amen. With his mustard seed. Amen. I'm so grateful that I can bless the name of the Lord and know it's going to make a difference. Scripture says in Psalms 33:18, it says this. This is a very beautiful piece of Scripture. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Everyone say hope in his mercy. That is a very important thing that we have to understand that God's mercy has to be hoped in, that we have to believe that God's going to have mercy in all situations, that we fear and revere him, but we also have hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Of course, this is speaking to people who's agriculturally based, so famine was a big thing. If they didn't have crops, they didn't have livelihood, they didn't have life. And then verse 20 says, our soul waiteth for the Lord. Have you ever been in a waiting room with God? Have you ever been in a moment where you had to wait on the Lord? That's very difficult to be in because patience is not easy to come by. Patience is a high commodity these days. He is our help and our shield. Everyone say help. He is our helper and our shield. He's our protector. For our heart shall rejoice in him because he, because we have trusted in his holy name. There it is. We have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, here it is, O Lord, be upon us. What? According as we hope in thee? It's not a transaction, but God allows in Scripture a place where when we put more of our trust in him, we have the right to ask for more mercy. Let your mercy be upon me in accordance to how much I have blessed your name or put my life and hope in thee. We have the right to ask for that. When we slip up or mess up, we say, Lord, please cover it in mercy because you know my life is given to you. All my faith has been placed in you. This is something that I, that I do, and I want to ask you to give me mercy. While you're waiting, the Bible says rejoice in him. Amen? While you're in that waiting room, you, you rejoice in the Lord. You praise him. And trust in his name, his holy name, in fact. It says put your faith faith in his name. And then it says mercy in accordance as we hope in thee or call on his mercy as you have invested your faith in him. I have a mustard seed of faith. And the Bible says all men is given the measure of faith. So it is mine to use. It is mine to wield. My faith is mine to wield. And if I want to put it in believing for Jonica to get back to the United States, I'm going to do it. If I want to put it in the fa- in my faith in the fact that he's going to have an opportunity, my friend, if I want to put my faith and hope in, in my friend getting a better situation, I'll do it. If I want to put my faith in protecting my children or praying over them, I have the right to do that. The faith has been given to me to use. And so what we have to do is begin to use our faith. We have placed it in God, but we also 
also have the right to leverage it. We also have the right to use it. So if we use it the way that God says for us to, if we honor him, we can move mountains. We can do the impossible. That is what we're promised. And so I want to see the impossible. I have a mustard seed. And you could probably finish the rest of it. I'm not afraid to use it. I don't have fear whenever I use it. I just put my faith in the Lord. Is this okay today? Can I remind somebody that my faith is in his holy name? Can I remind you of that? That whenever I say that, that word name, that whenever I say his holy name, it means something specific. You have to say that with understanding, that you have to believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that there are rewards in God, but it requires for you to put all your faith in him, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I praise God for understanding of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful that I know what the name of Jesus means, that, that I magnify the Lord, and when I magnify the Lord, I'm magnifying my Savior and my God, that I, I'm not in this place where I can be troubled or trialed or, or have circumstances that he's not greater than. I'm not worried about the sins of the earth or the, the vileness of men because my God is greater and his name is greater, amen, and so that I understand that I put my faith in the powerful name of Jesus, the name revealed of God, the name that is merciful. Psalms 103 and 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, which means to contend, or like a wrestler to grapple with. He will not always grapple with those that he's angry with, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens is high above the earth, so is his great mercy or so great is his mercy toward them that fear or um, reverence him as far as the east is you've heard this as far as the east is from the west so hath he removed our transgressions from us amen if you go east you will always be going east if you go west you will always be going west sooner or later you'll wrap around the earth amen if if you understand that you know that you cannot run into where east meets west it's impossible because if you're going one direction you will never find east until you turn around and go the other direction and you will never find west. I'm not talking about geographically on the earth. I'm talking about in the travel that you go. And he says here that I'm going to place your sins in a place where they are not findable anymore. That I'm going to cover them under the blood of Jesus Christ. That perfect sacrifice. And when they're covered, I'm going to erect a no fishing sign and tell everybody, including Satan and all of his unholy horde, that you cannot go fishing here because the sins that are buried here are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's no one who can look past the blood of Jesus. Not even God himself will look past the blood of Jesus. So you need to understand the power of the cross and the name in which we put our faith in. And that is a name that can cover every single sin. Oh, the power of the faith we put in that great name. Amen. In Philippians 2 and 9, it says, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. Who is it talking about? Jesus. And giving him and given him a name which is above every other name. Amen? 
as far as you're still in Psalms and that's okay, they're catching up. But I'm in Philippians 2, 9 and 10, if you want to write it down, that at the name of Jesus, verse 10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. In other words, he's saying at the name of Jesus, everything must bow. Everything Paul is writing to the Philippian church saying, this is what it means to know that your faith is in the name, to know that everything must bow to that name. And if you know that, then when you pray, you are saying, I have a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it. Sickness, you're going to bow. Financial distress, you have to bow to the name. I understand the power that's in that name. Isaiah 42 and 8 says, I am the Lord or Jehovah. That's the translation. That is my name. This is Isaiah talking about God. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. He said, I'm not going to give my glory to any other. But that's, that's understandable that we're talking about the God of the Old Testament. And if you look at Psalms 83 and 18, it said, That men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah. He said, my name alone is Jehovah. That's God. That's the self-existent one. That means that God is God no matter where God is. If there's something else that's said to be God, if God shows up, Jehovah, then he's God over anything else that's said to be God. Thank God that I know that I can pray to Jesus and I pray to God. Amen. Thank God I know that I can call on the name and I don't have to pray 20 minutes to the Father, 20 minutes to the Son, and 20 minutes to the Holy Spirit. I'm not a Hindu where I have to pray to the elephant God and the white elephant God and thousands of other gods. I don't have to do that. I don't have to establish a city to give to one of my gods. I'm not in that kind of religion. No, I'm not in that kind of relationship. I know the name in which I believe in. I know the God in which I call on. He's the God who is Jehovah in flesh. Amen. He's the God of all glory. And I call on his name. Jesus' name has all power. I know that because 2 Corinthians tells me that, but I want to not jump ahead because I want to finish this particular section that no other name is given. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. In the scripture here where it's talking about the name of God as Yahweh, the name, the proper name of God as Jehovah is greater than any other name. So either the Psalms of Asaph that I read to you, this Psalms 83, contradicts Philippians 2.9, or Jesus is the revealed name of Jehovah. Jehovah spelled J-E is beginning with J-E, Jehovah. We know that it's spelled J-E-H-O-V-A-H. And Yahweh is on the end. But Jehovah, if you take the J-E off the front, that is where the J-E in Jesus comes from. It means that he was God in flesh. In other words, it says Jesus. If you break it down, the J-E comes from Jehovah, the God of the Old Testament. And S-U-S means become our salvation. So when you call on the name of Jesus, when you call on that name, Jesus, you're saying, Jehovah, who became my Savior on that cross, I'm calling on your name, and that name has all power and all authority. If you understand who you're calling on, then you know that everything must bow. Sickness can't stand under the name. Amen? Difficulties can't stand under the name. 
everything must bow to the name. And so we understand that God does not have a body in the Old Testament. John 4.24 says God is a spirit. Do spirits have bodies? They do not. But in that same verse, God is a spirit. And they that worship him, pronoun. Why does it give the him if he's a spirit? Why does it say he is a, he's identified physically if he is a spirit that doesn't have a physical body? Because it's talking about Jesus Christ, the revealed God, the invisible manifestation of God in a body, that Jesus Christ is God who walked the earth and died for us because he could not die as a spirit. Spirits are eternal. So he had to create himself through the womb of a woman in order to give the death sacrifice that was required for the shedding of blood, remit sin, and only Only God can do that. Only God can come without the passing down of sin through generations, but come as the father who overshadowed Mary's womb, who produced a son, the flesh, Jesus, in order for us to be saved because he was a perfect sacrifice. I'm thankful I know what his name means, and I'm trying to put the wheels down. But I want you to understand that when I say we bless his name, when I say I put my faith in God and I have a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it, I want you to understand the the width and the power of what I'm talking about when I say Jesus. I'm not just talking about a religious man that was recorded in a Bible. I'm talking about someone who I have a relationship with who bought me on a cross and who came from heaven, divested himself of all his glory. But then scripture says that his name has all power. And so I know who I'm praying to and I know what I believe. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Normally a Christmas verse. But we understand that in this is a powerful declaration And the government or the rule or dominion shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful. What did Jesus put on his shoulder? He put the cross on his shoulder. He said his cross is going to have all dominion in the earth. His sacrifice is going to give us the rule over every other thing. That when we apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives, we are taking authority over every other government and every other spiritual being through that name that we have in our life. He shall be called wonderful. How many know Jesus to be wonderful? How many know him to be your counselor when nobody had good words? How many know him to be the mighty God? Amen. Either Jehovah God is the mighty God or Jesus is the mighty God. You can't have two mighty gods because wherever the mighty God is, he is God. That's what his name means. God is God. So as I've set this up, I want you to understand that when Isaiah is saying in 9-6 that he's the mighty God, he's saying that Jesus is God who is God in a body. He's the one who now has the ability to be called him in scripture because he took on the form of flesh. Amen. He's the everlasting father. He's the father in flesh. He came to save us. He did not just send somebody else. He did not just say, go take care of it. But he was God in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world unto himself. If Jesus is just another person, 
then he would be reconciling a world to Jesus, not just to God. But if Jesus is God, then he can reconcile the world to himself. And by doing so, he's reconciling all of us to God for whom we needed to be reconciled. Amen? He's the everlasting father and the prince of peace. Colossians 2.9 clears it up in 11 words. It says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead in a body, bodily. In other words, he says the trifecta of the, of the Hebrew language or in Greek, as this happens to be the Koine Greek, is that when you say something three times, you call it the superlative of all other things. In other words, when he says, for in him, Jesus, dwelleth all, that's the first time he mentions it. The fullness, second time he mentions it. Of the Godhead, third time he mentions it. All of God, the fullness of God, the Godhead, which is God, is in Jesus Christ, a body. Not all of God, but the fullest of the characteristics and the nature of God. Everything of God that could be put in a body was put in Jesus Christ so that God could hang on the cross for us and be our substitute. Are you glad about that? Are you thankful? 2 Corinthians 5.19 says God or Theos, Godhead, same thing as we find in Colossians 2 and 9. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So when I call on the name of Jesus, when I say I have a mustard seed of faith and I'm not afraid to use it, I don't say that with arrogance. I say that with submission to the name that is above every name. That Jesus is the revealed name of God. That Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God that he put on a body for you and me. He didn't say good luck with all of that sin down there on earth. But he took off majesty and he put on manifestation. And he said, I will come and I will be the express image of God's own person. In other words, he said, I will be the representation I will be the substance of God on this earth. And I will die for their sins. I will go through the pain and the loss and the shame and the suffering that they were supposed to go through. But they don't have to go through that because I have defeated it. So when I call on the name of the Lord and when I say I'm going to leverage my faith, there's power in that because I've been given the privilege to do it by his perfect sacrifice. We are privileged people, brothers and sisters. We cannot lift our heads up and walk down to an altar and say, I deserve to be here without first crawling to that same altar and saying it was a sin sacrifice that gave me the right to call on the name of Jesus. And where that leverage of that mustard seed is, there also has to be a humble spirit that says, I don't have to deal with this because he has bought my victory. He has paid it all. I stand in his glorious power and his name is revealed. So I plant that mustard seed I'm not afraid to use in the name of Jesus because that name has all power, amen? And when I say I bless the name, I'm saying that's what's behind it. That's the power that's in it. I call on that name. There's healing in the name. Musicians, would you come? 
You're welcome to go anytime you want to as we're singing, but we're going to sing one more song about the name. And as they're gathering in, I want to tell you that there's nothing like knowing that there's a God who can rescue me. Let's not forget, brothers and sisters, this is a rescue mission. The church has always been a hospital. We're to do what Jesus did. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And so we're also to be the ones who seek and save that which is lost. And we call on his name to save them. But we must seek out those. I know there's been places where I've stood with people and I had no words to say for the tragedies and the troubles they're going through. But I could whisper the name of Jesus. Just like I told you at the beginning as I started this sermon, and I hope maybe that through the the theology of presenting it, you haven't lost the power of the name in it. That when I said my mother would just call on the name of Jesus, that she knew who she was calling on. She knew that he was Jehovah become Savior. She knew that she could call on that one name and all of heaven would stand in attention to help. And so as we wrap up here and we sing this song, could you just stand with me? And could we just speak the name together? Would you do that right now? Would you just call? Maybe you want to lift your hands. Maybe if that's not your way you normally worship, maybe you could stretch yourself a little bit and just say, Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you in my life. Would you make him your Lord? Would you speak out of your mouth praise? Let your ears hear his name. As we sing this, put your faith in his name. All power is in that name. Come on, take a moment with him before you go today. Our time is not a sacrifice, Jesus. Not compared to what you did. Let's put our faith in him. What a beautiful name.